Hey Life Can, uh, Roger here, Director of Student and Adult Ministries, and I'm so glad that you're listening to us, whether you're a returning listener or a brand new listener. If you're brand new, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, all that stuff, so that you can hear our podcasts, our messages, and all the other stuff we put out. If you are a returning listener and you've been a lo- around long enough to see all of the things that God is up to in our community, I want to remind you that there's a lot of ways to participate, but one of those is by giving, uh, giving to the mission of God in this church and participating in his activity. Head on over to our Life Church Canton forward slash give page uh, to do that. But welcome new and returning. Uh, you're about to hear the kickoff of our code series, which we do every year, which we really use to share and, and remind our congregation who we are uh, through our code. So give that a listen. This week, it's kicked off by Pastor Nathan as he talks about You Belong. So give that a listen, and I'll catch up with you in just a few. everyone. My name is Nathan, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm, I'm so grateful that you are here. I'm so glad um, to see you, and if you're new, uh, thank you for being here. Um, thank you for taking a risk. Maybe it's the first time you've come in person uh, since checking us out online, and I can't think of a better time for you to be here because it's all about our code. But our co- code is in service to something, our vision. Now, when you come to this church, we have something for you, something we see God wanting to do in and through you. And it has to do with the idea that God wants you to reclaim your identity in him. You reclaim your identity in Jesus to be transformed and then to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love into the world. We believe that no matter how you walked in here, that God wants to use you to do incredible things. And that is our vision And that is what we are all about. Now, we'd love to connect with you. Connecting with you makes us so happy. Today is about connection. We have groups that are available later, and we'll talk about that. But the main way that you can let us know that you're here is by filling out a Connect card, whether it's a paper one on the seat around you or what we prefer, the QR code uh, that's going to be on the screen right there. You can actually pull your phone out and just scan it. That QR code's also available at the welcome desk, where if you're new, you can go and get a gift, uh, a chance to connect, because we want you to grow into the place where God uses you to do incredible things. Uh, That is our vision. Whenever I think about this series, The Code, that we're in, I'm reminded of this verse that years ago I read and transformed the way I viewed God. Often I view God as someone who's up there, uh, who, who is holy and righteous, which he is, but sometimes looks at us as those who have, um, who have messed up, that he needed to go and clean it up. But this verse, it changes my view of the character of God, at least it did when I read it. And I want to share it with you. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, this is the part, but will rejoice over you with singing. I still get to sing songs for my daughter when she goes to bed, and we sing these songs together. She still likes the sound of my voice. I hope that never changes. 
probably will. <laughs> but I get to sing over her. When I saw this verse, and I imagined those moments where I was singing over my children, even if the day was really rough, the love and joy and belonging I felt in those moments uh, was incredible. To think that God is singing over us in that way. He's singing over you. Yes, you. Not only that, he's singing over our entire city. He's singing over our entire area. A song, not just of love, but of salvation. He's singing over Westland. He's singing over Canton and Ypsilanti and Dearborn and Plymouth. And you can even name a name of a city you love. He's singing over it right now. This song of salvation, that's what's happening. It's like the heavens are singing of the glory of God. And our vision, our vision is our part in the harmony. It's the voice we get to sing. The imagery of it always makes me smile. Like you're part of this huge choir and you know your part. But the part of the song is a song that's been sung for, for centuries, from the moment that the enemy uh, deceived us to the moment that God makes all things new. This song of salvation has been sung, and we have a part in that rhythm. So our vision's huge. It, it's very, very big. It's beyond our ability to bear our, the torch of Christ's justice and love into every home, into every school, every community, every government, everything. It is incredibly difficult to do, but we need a strategy to get there. And strategy is essential. I love strategy. Any business people out there who love strategy? Yes, we are weird. We love strategy. The idea of like, hey, we know where we need to go, so we need to get here first, and this, and this, and this, and that means today we need to do this. Strategy is important. It's very good, but (laughs) it is not sufficient for the whole thing. In fact, one of the first people to ever talk about management and the importance of strategy and management was called Peter Drucker. And in the business realm, we know something that he elucidated this. He says this, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And what he meant is, you can have the best strategy in the world, but if your culture is one of cutting quarters, of not being a team player, of being negative, then the strategy, no matter how good it is, will never overcome the culture that you are in. I want to talk about that word, culture. What is culture? Well, culture as defined as a way of life of a group of people. It's what we do. The behaviors, the beliefs, the values, and the symbols that they accept, generally without even thinking about them, and that are passed along by communication and imitation from one generation to the next. A culture is a vibe. It's something that you can sense over time. And it's all of these different things rolled into one. And life can't pass a culture. And it's guided by the word of God. And the end goal through strategy and culture is to get to the place where the Holy Spirit moves through us to do something incredible. And we've created some guiding principles to help define our culture. And it's called our code. Now, the code are on the wall over there. They're also online. Um, They're important to us for a reason. In fact, the first thing you see when you walk into the door is the first code there you belong. They're important to us. What is a code? Well, a code is a declaration. It's something that we say. It's like a motto. It's, It's a declaration that gives meaning to who we have been, to who we are, were. We've been doing this for 19 years. Our code helps understand who we were. It is also the purpose 
to what we do now. It gives purpose to us. What do we need to do? Well, we need to do these codes. We need to see them live out. And it drives us to who we are becoming. They help us. They're the guardrails to keep us on the path of the vision that God has given us. The codes are on the wall. They define our yearly goals. They're measured and elevated. And our partners are champions of the code by how they live out each of their commitments. So it's about our culture and what God wants to do inside of it. It's keeping us focused on the vision of reclaiming your identity in Jesus and bearing the torch of Christ's justice and love. Every code we have is rooted in Scripture. And we've done this for four years. It's the fourth year I've preached this You Belong message. And every year I go back and I read. And I've been able to watch just as I've been sensing the needs to communicate for every year. I've been able to read, and it's almost like a snapshot of where God has this church at every moment. And last year I talked about disunity and discordance and how there was this need to speak about that in our community, that our disunity and our discordance led to everybody singing their own song and not harmonizing together with the vision that God has for us. The reality is this is not where we're at as a church anymore. We're in a place where we've been bound together and the unity of Jesus Christ to a new extent. So this year, we decided that we would go into Isaiah 55, a prophecy of old, a prophecy about Jesus long ago, and spend our time in these verses. Because because our code is from the word of God, it's found so often everywhere in it. So I want to go to Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you will have, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. I want you to visualize uh, what this is. This is a water vendor on a marketplace street. Uh, the best way I remember this is, is uh, I got to go to Korea a couple years ago, um, right before uh, something that happened. What was it called? The pandemic. Yep. And then uh, we came back, and all of my family got uh, a respiratory sickness. Hmm, probably wasn't COVID. Probably was. Who cares? At that point, we came back, and uh, I remember vividly uh, my time there. I got to spend a week there with my doctoral work, and then I stayed a couple days as long as I possibly could in the city walking around and enjoying it. And I would just ride everywhere, and and I was clearly the odd man out, mostly because I was shoulders higher than everybody else. And uh, I had a big backpack on, and I was doing this most of the time. So I went to this market. The the nightlife in Korea is absolutely incredible. They have uh, these amazing streets and lights, and it's beautiful. And I'm I'm there, and I'm just soaking it all in. And as I'm walking down the street, there's all of these street vendors with food, you know. And and they're all looking, and they see me, and their eyes lock, and they go, "Ooh, that's an easy catch right there." <laughs> and I I don't care. I have no compunctions of eating street food whatsoever. I will eat anything you put in front of me. And so they'd be calling to me, and they I don't. They don't speak my language. They can, but they, they just yell at me. And they'd just be like, hey, hi, ho, hi, ho. They're just trying to get my attention, like holding food out to me. And that's what I think of is this cacophony of noises and sounds and lights. And there's all these distractions, and they're calling out. In fact, this word, uh, come, we'll get to in just a moment, it, it has like a different translation. One translation calls it like, ho, like, ho, not like, hey, you, ho, use a ho, like, not that, no. No, like, like a, more like a sailor who's saying like, ho, hey, ho, you know, like, get over here, pay attention. There's this desire by this individual to get your attention. And that is what the word of God is saying to us. 
So look at this word, come. Come. The person who's being set up in this prophecy that leads to Jesus Christ five, four, five hundred years later is setting the stage for what Jesus would do. So the person, this water vendor who has these wares is calling out to you. It's like Jesus is calling out to you, this suffering servant. But it's not just this loud, like, come, come, come over here. There's a tone to it. There's a pleading tone to it. You see, Jesus Christ was known as the suffering servant. He described himself as living water. When he talked to the the woman at the well, he says, come and drink for me and you will never go thirsty. There is a need for each of us to be satisfied in the living water of Jesus Christ. And so he sees their desperation. He says, come, come be part of this. Come, I have something for you. But his voice is calling out amongst all of the vendors. And instead of having goods that they want you to buy, He has goods that he has already purchased once he has purchased with his blood and his sacrifice. He died so that we could have this living water, this water of life. So he is pleading. Tone starts to change, and it gets a little interesting here. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And all you have no money, come buy and eat. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? If you don't have money, you can't buy something. Well, he goes on and says again, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. This is interesting. Why is he saying that? Yeah, it's why would he say that? It's because he's trying to illustrate that you could never buy what I have for you. You have nothing, it doesn't matter. I've already paid for it. I have a surplus. I've paid for something and I want to give it to you. What we understand this to be is undeserved grace, which is a bit like saying ATM machine, you know, automated teller machine machine. It's, it's grace is something we don't deserve, but he's saying it's undeserved grace. We could never have behaved in a certain way, done enough, had enough to purchase this living water. Instead, he's saying, I have it for you. I want to give it to you. And this comes to our first code, a code focused on the reality of undeserved grace. You belong. You belong is our code. It's the first code. Like I said, it's the one that you see when you walk into this room. Why? It communicates something incredibly powerful. You see, belonging is written on the hearts of every single one of us. We can't help it. We belong to God, and that had gotten broken. And so we yearn to be known in him, but we also were built to be in community. And so we yearn to be in that community, to have that sense of belonging, and we'll fight for it. The problem is our world is not safe. And when you belong, you feel safe, but our world is not safe. And so how we overcome that in our culture is often and almost always defined by creating rules and barriers and lines which you cannot cross. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that in order for you to belong to a certain group of people, you have to believe the things that they believe. You have to have some of the same opinions of them, and each group will tell you what those are, uh, either by saying it or by explicitly punishing you if you fall outside of it. They also need to behave or act and look a certain way. 
to do certain things, to have some of those little moments, those imitations, uh, those things that you do that indicate you are part of the group. And then one of the, once that's all done, you can belong. You're one of us. We love you. We care for you. You're with us. We see this in families. We see this all over in workplaces. We see it all over our world. But there's an undertone to that belonging. As long as you believe and behave the same way as us, then... And only then, you belong. Let me illustrate it this way. There's cultural ways of understanding this. I'm going to say two short phrases of which will elicit a response most likely from you in the room. Okay? I'm going to say, go blue and go green. Yeah. (laughs) Do you see what just happened? The Michigan State people played along. The Michigan people were shocked that those words came out of my mouth. What just happened (laughs) in the room? Well, I just indicated and said a cultural way of saying, hey, I believe the same thing you believe, except I don't at all. (laughs) But we have these rules. We, We believe that these two teams that have those colors are the best teams in the world, of which they are not. But we believe that, and we act that way, and we behave. Right, it's so easy to talk about those things. If you didn't pick up on it because you're new, I'm from uh, the place down south which holds the Ohio State University, and so uh, I'm here in my Nineveh loving all of you. Um, (laughs) But I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain, except every chance I get on stage. Um, Right, we laugh about this, right? This is funny. It is funny because sports don't matter. They don't. They really don't. They're fun, but they don't matter. But your family does. And how many times did we experience in these last couple years the jarring conversations where we realized, oh, we don't believe the same things about politics. And then I'm threatened. I feel threatened. Why? Why do you feel threatened? Because you are concerned that you don't belong in your own family anymore. Wow. You see, we have created a way of defining cultures and tribes that is doomed to fail us and take away whatever safety it promises. I call this the bounded set. The bounded set. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I want to talk to students for just a moment because you you experienced this. All of us did as as people who are adults, we grew through this, of trying to show up in middle school and high school and figure out who we belong to, you know? So some of us just joined sports because we wanted to have belonging. Some of us joined in this group or dressed a certain way to have belonging. You see, when our identity is so ripe to be identified and malleable and good and God to come in, we are under some of the most unsafe conditions, at least mentally, sometimes actually physically in our world right now as students. And so we try to cling to these things that help us know we belong, we're okay, we're safe. And we learn that habit and we never let it go. It changes. It's not the prep kids anymore. It's not, it's not the people who are in sports anymore. It's the Republicans. It's the Democrats. It's the people who live in this area of town. We trade different senses of belonging. Why? Because we have to, to feel safe. But sometimes being yourself doesn't feel safe. Church, we're different. Before I get to that, I want you to know that most of our culture is set 
and put together by something called bounded set. Bounded set, I want you to visualize it like it's a box. It's a box, right? Now, bounded, you can be bound by something, by ropes, and often that's what happens when we get into these cultures. You get stuck in them. But I want you to think of it kind of like football since it's on a lot of our minds of inbounds and out of bounds. If they're out of bounds, it doesn't count. If they're inbounds, it does. Well, let's take it a step farther. If you do behave and believe the same things as me, you belong in the box. Great. If you're in the box, you belong, we're good. If you're out of the box, you don't belong. If you do something that doesn't belong, you're out. The reason why we do this is because our world is unsafe. So if I create a boundary around my life in all the different ways, spiritually, emotionally, physically, all of those different things, then I can feel safe. But that means those who are outside are unsafe. So I will defend my wall. I'll defend my rules because they're not just rules of good ideas. No, no, no. They define my identity because if I don't have this, I don't know that I'm safe. And so all of our expectations and rules are clashing among each other. And the more if we fight for our boundary and vilify people who are others, the more unsafe we feel. Politics will teach you that. The farther we move away from each other, the more we fight and call names and point fingers, the less safe we feel. Because bounded set will always fail you. Always. I had a couple, uh, last couple weeks, I had an incident that happens once in a while, not an incident, but a, a moment where there's a conversation with someone and um, they either express something like this, but more recently I'm paraphrasing, it says, someone who won't come in to the building because they say, I've done so much wrong, I couldn't possibly go in there. Or if I walk in there, it'll catch on fire. There is this understanding in the church that we have somehow created the spaces. This is a place for those who are clean, who look like us, who act like us, etc., and not a place for everyone. You belong is so important to us because it flies in the face of the bounded set that says that is not who defines us. In this passage, you don't belong on the market street if you don't have money unless you're up to no good. The vendor's calling out specifically to those who have nothing and saying, I have everything for you. Jesus purchased it with his life, and there's such an abundance of his grace and mercy that he shares it with everyone possible. Not only that, he pleads for them to come, specifically those who have nothing to offer him except the joy of experiencing his gift. How much different is that? You belong with Jesus. You belong with Jesus. In Jesus' mind, you belong to me. Now, before you do anything, before you have anything, you belong with me. You belong is is not just about who's in and who's out. Belong means to be rightly placed with. The book belongs on the shelf. Well, you belong next to Jesus. You're fit. It's good. That you would know him, that you would experience him, that he would be able to speak his identity to you, that you'd be able to reclaim that identity in Jesus. You fit with him. You don't have to do anything. You can't do anything. You can't do anything to deserve that. And yet it is free given. And if we are the body of Christ, which we are, if we are his body, then we are not some ivory tower for the self-righteous. But we are a hospital for the truly broken. As we do something different, we journey 
towards him. See, if you belong with Jesus, then you belong with us. If we're his body, how could we say otherwise? You belong with us. As a code, you belong means you belong before you believe, before you behave a certain way. It flips the script on the way the rest of the culture works in the bounded set. It goes somewhere different. It says you belong before you believe. That's the reality. If you walk into this room and you don't believe what we believe, and I'm not just saying like, hey, you have a different form of Christianity that's a little bit different theologically. No, I mean, you could believe the exact opposite of what we believe, and yet you belong. That this is a place where you belong. And that's only possible because it's not about what you believe. I'm going to take it even a step farther. You belong here before you behave a certain way. That means if you're broken, that's fine. Come on in. Come on in. And that means for every one of us that we don't have to behave a certain way to belong because if you belong with Jesus, then you belong with us. And when you do this, when this happens, when you create this place of belonging where people start to believe what the water vendor is saying, when they start to believe who they are in Jesus, something changes. And for a moment, even if it's just for a moment, they let their guard down, they let their walls down, and they believe maybe for a moment they could be themselves. And then in that moment, they encounter Jesus. And they're transformed. See, without belonging, there is no change. Because I believe belonging is for becoming. That belonging allows you to experience the love and care of Jesus Christ in community that you start to become, to reclaim your identity in Jesus. So if it's not the bounded set, what defines our culture? The centered set, meaning centered on something. It is the most important thing. Nothing else matters but this, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ that we are centered on it, that we look at it, that we remind ourselves daily our need to repent because of the grace that we have been received. We rejoice in the abundance of the gift. That is what we're centered on, and we're all fixated on moving in that direction. And some of us, we start farther back or from a different angle or from a different place. And some of us, we got a limp. We limping, going slow, right? Some of us fell down. We pick each other up, and we move. We move towards something, not so that someday we can arrive, but so that someday we can experience more in our community day by day, the power and transformation, the grace of Jesus Christ moving in our lives. That is the vision of what God has given us and our code, you belong, helps us get there, moving towards the living water of Jesus Christ. We are not a farm that has fences to keep the cows in, the sheep in, whatever animal you like, and the wolves out. That's not what we do here. No, we dig wells deep into the presence of Jesus Christ, the living water of Jesus Christ, and we invite people to come and drink, and we move in that way. It is a different rhythm. It is a different way of thinking, and it will transform the way you view the world if you can adopt this way of thinking. So if you're thirsty... If you're like, man, I really want to belong. It's time to drink deep of the living water of God. You belong means knowing that you're safe here. You are. And you belong means making room for community. Today is Group Sunday because we want everyone to get into a group or into the life journey. These are the places where you can experience this power and transformation, where you can be known and know other people as people gathered around the well of Jesus saying, come and drink and learn and grow together. 
which means you can join a life group even if you don't believe, even if all you want is the community. That's totally fine. In fact, one of their pastors who just retired recently, he, he joined a group when he was younger. He was an atheist, and he joined a group. Do you know why? To prove them wrong. And that did not work out for him. <laughs> I am so confident in this belonging, and I'm so confident in the presence of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ that I have zero worries about what is going to change inside of you. And you don't even need to worry about it. And you can come in saying, I'm not going to change. I don't care. You need community. You need love. Please do that. But the prophet is not done yet. We've only done one verse. We're going to do two verses. And he's turning his attention. He turns from the beggar who has no money, who's sitting in the seat, and he's dirty, and there's cacophony of voices and vendors. And he says, hey, wait, wait, wait. I got, I got water. I got water. No, no, no. Seriously, you can come. You don't need anything. I got it. I got it. No, no, no. Come, 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 come. Come here. I have everything for you. And instead, he turns his voice to all the others. We're going to every other vendor with their money and their attention. And he says this to them in Isaiah 55 too. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. He speaks out to the rest of them, the ones who have, are not listening, the ones who don't think they need this water and instead are buying everything else they can from all around them. And this is a prophecy about Jesus, and Jesus is speaking to us through this as well. But back then, he's also speaking to a group of people who were in Babylon. Babylon means a place that wasn't the, <laughs> the promised land. They were in exile, and they had gotten used to it. One scholar said it this way. They have been in Babylon for many years, some for their whole life. They have grown roots, acquired property, commercial interests, were prosperous and secure. The prophet does not plead or argue with them. <laughs> Instead, he throws into the quiet pool of their complacency a disturbing pebble. <laughs> I love that imagery. It's like, bloop. And he asks, does this really satisfy you? Is this what you are here for? Some of us were very good at finding belonging in other things. <laughs> very good at it. And the world is a never-ending market of vendors trying to entice you with this belonging and identity. And we've looked for it in how much money we have and our status among people in work, living in the right house, driving the right car, and for having correct political opinions. Or we found it in making sure that our children are successful or take the right kind of work. We have gone to vendors to find our belonging and our identity. That is who we are. We cannot help but worship. And he's saying to them, is this really working for you? Does it really satisfy? See, in verse 1, he's speaking to those who know that they're hungry. And the two, he's speaking to those who are complacent. One of my favorite authors says, God comforts the disturbed, and he disturbs the comfortable. You're all like, mm, yeah, that's great. I love that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm -hmm. Until he disturbs you. You're not going to like it then. <laughs> because this world that we live in right now is incredibly good at feeding us into this comfortable, canatonic 
complacency, is good at it. It shoves all this in your face and it says, just eat this. Just eat this. It'll make you feel what you want to feel. Isaiah 50, uh, 44, 20, earlier, he says, such a person feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? So they consume and they take and they look at it and they can't even see it for the lie that it is. You see, it's not just that the water vendor is providing a better quality product than the people around him. Not even that it's free or that it's less expensive or a better alternative. What he is offering is life and the vendors are offering death. And he's offering water. The vendors are offering salt water, which drinks and fills your stomach but dehydrates your spirit. So he disturbs them. Do not be satisfied in that. He goes on in the verse to talk about abundance. Delight yourself in abundance. Some of us came with expectations about what this world will be like. And when we think about what God offers us, we see it as, okay, I guess I'll take that. I guess I'll take that. But they limit what God can do. It's not just new. It's not just transformation. It's abundance. In verse 1, he says, I'm not just offering you water, milk and wine. Milk and wine. Now, milk and wine were expensive back then. He's offering them abundance, and he offers you abundance as well. You belong as the core of who we are, uh, and it builds on all of it to the place where we get to the first code, where we're driven by new life and God's glory. But it's the core of where we start. It's the beginning place. And belonging is built by recognizing the truth that only because of Jesus Christ do we have life, and he is the only thing that matters. And us belonging to him means we all belong to each other. And when those things become true of who we are, we start to discard all of our boxes. Many of us have actually built boxes for church. We come to church and said, you didn't do a certain thing, or you should have done this, or you shouldn't have done this. And it's because in that expectation that was failed, there's this idea that we, we don't feel safe anymore. And it can mean a million different things. And we're applying this bounded set theology to the word of God. And in those moments where we work through that in community, because it's not about, oh, don't think that way. It's, no, it's, let's figure this out. We work through it in community and realize we don't belong because we fit in a box. We belong because of what Jesus has done. And we remind each other of that and say our feelings don't always reflect our belonging. <laughs> we belong to Jesus Christ. It's never done alone. It's always done in the community as we start to lay down all of these things that have defined our identity for so long and pick up instead the radical, abundant love and generosity of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness for us, which allows us to forgive each other. And not to be afraid, not to be scared, not to be worried, not to be defined by how can I make my feel safe, myself feel safe, but to live in the reality that I am safe in Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen outside of community. It doesn't happen for me. It doesn't happen for you without working through it with people. We will fail each other. We will fail to meet each other's expectations. But in the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy and the love, we become stronger as we realize that Jesus is offering us the love, the love 
desire. How do we do this? We belong to experience Jesus together. One of the ways you can do this is sign up for the life journey. It's uh, the last day to sign up. It's a group of people who's small, less than 12 people, always. A place where you get to know people and care about them and grow on your journey in faith so that you can grow into the person who bears the torch of Christ's justice and love into the community. That's what it's designed to do. And belonging is part of all of it. Encourage you to do that in the lobby on the way out or online. Second, we need to sign up for life groups. The beautiful thing about this is we're recognizing how much this starts in our students, this way of thinking about all the bounded set ways we can feel safe. And so our students are signing up for the life journey and for life groups today as well. They're going through it. Wouldn't it be great if your student goes through it to go through it at the same time and to talk about what God is speaking to you? The groups out there right now have openings, and if there isn't one that fits, please let us know, and we'll find you a fit, find you a home. But they're groups of people who care for you and love you. It seems like after a message that's so strong, it can't be this simple, is it? Can it be this simple to do these kinds of things? And the answer is nothing is simple, by the way. (laughs) But it is this simple in the fact that we need to be with each other to remind each other, to encourage each other. If one person falls down by themselves, who will pick them up? We need each other to love and care for each other. And this my charge for you is to extend yourself, to step beyond and believe there is belonging. There is belonging. Extend yourself into a group. Extend yourself into a life journey and see what God changes about who you are. I encourage all of us to stand as we finish. Stand to your feet. And if you've been disturbed, thank God. And if you have hope because you're hungry and you're disturbed, thank God. He is in this place. And for each of you individually, he wants to do something. So let's close our eyes and be prepared for how God is going to speak to us. The Holy Spirit is here. We're resting in him. He's filling us up. Love the song we're about to sing in a moment. You open up your hands and invite God to fill you. For those of us who are in that street and we have nothing and we're thirsty and Jesus is offering us living water and he's calling out, come, he's pleading with you and you want to respond. Oh, that you would respond. (laughs) I encourage you to do that now. And you can simply do this by talking to him because he's here. He's been waiting for this conversation for a very long time. And there's no hate. There's no anger. He's singing over you. He's singing over you salvation. Oh, I wish I could hear the song that God is singing over you. But I know it has to do with his love and his favor and his grace and his restoration and that he will make all things new in you. So what it takes from you is to give over control, to recognize your need. So I pray you say to him something like this right now. Speak to him and say, I need someone to rescue me. I'm broken. I've done wrong. Things have been done wrong to me. I don't have what it takes to save myself. And then I want you to say something like this. Something like, I believe that Jesus did save me. That Jesus paid my price and he's offering me new life. So today I choose that new life.
to accept that water, to drink deep the presence of God. I give over everything to you, God. I lay down my way so I can follow yours. Center me on the grace of Jesus Christ and help me journey to you for all eternity. Welcome back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that message. Uh, I hope you were reminded of the kind of community we have an opportunity to participate in because of God uh, in being the body of Christ. Uh, You belong, no matter who you are. Uh, You belong to God, so you belong to us. And uh, this week is a great week to get connected uh, to life groups, which are a great place to live out that belonging every week uh, as groups gather together to discuss God and just to do life together. So Head on over to our uh, our now page to sign up for groups. Um, also, you can reach out to uh, our director of groups and engagement, uh, Franz, uh, via email uh, or however. So reach out, uh, let us know, fill out a connect card on our now page, and just uh, help us get you connected to a group. Hope you have a great week, uh, and we'll see you again real soon. <laughs>